Welcome to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes, and thank you for joining us. This week is the final week in our sermon series, Resolutions. As we close out this series, Senior Minister Jeff Gaines talks about what it takes to be a difference maker in the world. Thank you for listening, and as always, we hope that you learn and enjoy. Today we are finishing a sermon series entitled Resolutions, Resolutions, and uh, the reason that we're talking about this is I think that we all get to a place in our life where we can just get complacent, you know, we get, we get comfortable and we just kind of get in this groove in our life and we just say, I'm good. Uh, but the reality is the Bible compels every Christian to care deeply about their personal spiritual growth. And Jesus himself set sp- personal spiritual goals and he went after them with everything that he had. And so if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, did those things, then as Christians today, we need to care deeply about the fact that we're getting closer and closer to Jesus and, and we're seeing the changes that we need to see in our lives take place. So this month we've been talking about who it is that God wants us to be because the reality is when we figure out who it is that God wants us to be, we'll know what it is that God wants us to do. Today I want to talk to you about being a difference maker being a difference maker. Now, some of you, you sit there and you think, you know, I I really am just satisfied with just being me. I'm satisfied with just going to work. I'm satisfied with just raising some kids and or just going to school, just getting a degree. I'm satisfied with just being a wife or just being a husband. And to be honest with you, I don't think that I have anything in me that would make a difference in the world. Um, So as we get started today, I want to point your attention to a couple of facts that the Bible Uh, just highlights, and it compels all of us to be a difference maker in our lives. Number one, God created you to do good. God created you to do good. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says it this way, for we are God's handiwork. Handiwork, that word there in the Greek is actually the same word that is used for poem. And so the, the picture that's painted is God purposely putting every part of your life together. Uh, There is nothing about you that is by accident. Your your shape, your size, your skin color, your hair color, your eye color, the the town that you grew up in, the school that you went to school, the, the place that you went to school, your friends, your family, every part about your life was God shaping you, molding you, sculpting you. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. God created you to do good. You were created to be more than a consumer. Now, some of you already know that because there have been seasons in your life where you thought, you know, if I could just get that thing, if I could just get that car, if I could just get that job, if I could just get that house, if I could just get that wardrobe, if I could just get that, that guy or that girl to notice me, if I could just get those friends, if I could just get through college, if I could just get married, if I could just have kids, if I could just get to that place in life, then I'd be satisfied, then I'd be happy. But what happened when you got to that place? There was always something more that you needed, right? There was still a void. There was still an emptiness inside of you. There's always going to be more because you were created for more than being a consumer. You were created to be a catalyst. God created you. He, He planned you to make a difference. You see, service is the pathway to significance. You weren't created to just take and take and take from life. God created you to give back. 
So you won't ever feel complete in your life. You're always going to experience a, a meaninglessness to your life, an emptiness in your life, until you begin to make a difference. Here's the second thing you need to know as we get started today. God saved you to do good works. He saved you to do good. When you make an impact for God's kingdom, it is a sign of your salvation. Saved people serve people. Now, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying here. You are not saved by service. The Bible is very clear on that. Your good works cannot make you right with God. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 puts it this way. No one, no one can ever be made right with God by works. We can never be good enough to be made right with God. So you are not saved by service. You are saved for service. Your good works demonstrate that you are right with God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 puts it this way. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it what? It proves. It proves that you've passed from spiritual death into spiritual life. But a person who has no love, a person who doesn't go out and serve his fellow man, doesn't go out and try and make a difference in the world, a person that has no love is still dead. If you're here today and you, you don't love people enough to try and make a positive difference on this planet, then maybe the love of God is not in you. Jesus once healed one of the disciples' mother-in-laws. She was on her deathbed, and Jesus came into the room and he prayed over her. And the Bible says, one minute she is about to die, and the next minute, Luke chapter 4, verse 39, she got up at once and began to what? Serve them. You were saved. To serve. God created you to do good and he saved you. He pulled you out of your spiritual death and into spiritual life so that you would do good, so that you would make a difference. I think too many Christians, they profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they're baptized and then they begin this lifelong journey of twiddling their thumbs waiting on heaven. I see that too often. But do you know if that's what God had intended, you know what would happen when you came up out of that baptistry? You know what would happen? Your body would dematerialize into like this gold stardust, and then you'd like be beamed up into heaven, Star Trek style. That's what would happen. God left you here for a reason. He wants you to make a difference. Now, in hearing that, some of you think, well, this is an overwhelming thought. You know, I'm just really trying to survive this month. I'm trying to just pay off my, my credit card bills from Christmas. I'm just trying to survive my marriage, or I'm just trying to survive my kids. I'm just trying to survive school this semester. I'm just trying to survive my, my work schedule. is crazy right now, so I can't imagine how I can make a difference. So I want to give you today two areas that every Christian can make a huge difference. Number one is this. I think God wants us to be a difference maker, by having a ministry, a ministry in the church. A ministry in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says it this way. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Now when he says us there, he's talking about every Christian. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. God has given you specific talents, abilities, gifts. And he wants you to use those gifts to build up the church. Now, there's all sorts of lists in the New Testament about what these spiritual gifts are. I want to give you the list from Romans chapter 12. This is the most practical of the lists. I just want you to look at this list. Preaching, teaching, giving, mercy, service, encouragement, leadership. The one that I might want to unpack for just a second is mercy, 
Uh, it's not really self-explanatory. That's just meeting a person in their suffering and showing them tangible compassion. It's going to those who are, who are hurting, who are struggling in some way, and you helping carry their load. That's mercy. So I want you to look at that list. And the reality is, if you are a Christian here today, God has gifted you in one of these ways, at least one of these ways, and probably in multiple uh, ways. So as you look at this list, you can probably pick out which one might be your gift. Now here's the question today. How are you using your gift to build up this church? How are you using your gift to bless this church? Now, some of you, you might not even want to think about that because too many Christians today, they have a membership mentality when we need more and more to have a partnership mentality. Let me explain. If you are a member of a country club, congratulations, good for you, by the way, if you're a member of a country club, then you pay your dues and you show up and you take advantage of the facilities, uh, you do whatever happens at that country club, and then you go home and you don't think about it anymore. So if you pull up in the country club, you get out of your car and you walk across that parking lot and there's trash scattered in the parking lot. You step over it and you go on into the clubhouse because you've paid your dues and you don't have to worry about that stuff. That's somebody else's job to take care of. You go to the bathroom in the clubhouse and the toilet is overflowing. You may go to the bartender and say, hey, somebody blew up your bathroom. You probably want to get that looked at. And then you go home and you don't think about it anymore because you've paid your dues, you've taken advantage of the facility, and you've gone home. If, if the club begins to struggle, what do you do? You go and you find another club to go to because it's no skin off of your back. You just use the facility and you go home. But what happens when you invest in the club and you become part owner? So you're not a, just a member anymore. You're a partner now. Now, you, you get all the perks of membership. You get to use the facility, maybe to a level you never had before. But now when you pull up into the parking lot and there's trash in the parking lot, who picks it up? Well, I make sure, if I'm a part owner, that that trash gets picked up. I take responsibility over that trash. And if I don't pick it up, then I'm, I'm going and I'm finding somebody to make sure it gets picked up. If I go to the bathroom and the toilet is overflowing, I don't go to find a bar attendant. I go and I find a plunger and a mop and I need to clean it up because this is my bathroom. It's not somebody else's bathroom. I'm part owner of this place. I'm personally interested in the success of this organization. And so I'm going to find a plunger and a mop and I'm going to make sure this gets cleaned up right because this is my country club. Now, as you think about that, let's put this in the context of a church. I think we've got too many people that just want to be members of a church. You want to come and pay your dues as the offering plate is passed. You want to be blessed by the service, and then you want to go home and you don't want to think about it anymore. You want to receive all, all the, the benefits, but you don't want to take responsibility for the success of the organization. I think we need more partners and less members. Okay, now I, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to go on without saying this. I do think that there's a season in all of our spiritual lives where we do need to come to a church and just be a consumer. I think there's a season for that, especially if you're just getting started in your faith journey. If you're just kind of getting started and really seeking Jesus, then you need a season, and it may be a long season, 
where you just come to church and you're built up. You're encouraged by the word. You're blessed by the ministry. And you just come and you just receive. And you receive and you receive. But there comes a point in our spiritual lives, if we're going to become who God has created us to be, that we've got to stop just receiving all the time. We've got to stop just being built up all the time. And we've got to start to give back. We've got to start to build up the church with the gifts that God has given us. <clears throat> I think we've got too many people that just want to be members, and we need some more partners. Don't be a person that just comes and uses the facilities and then goes home. Be a person that cares deeply about the success of this church. Be a person that cares that this church is, is fulfilling the mission that God has given us. We don't just need your dollars and cents. We need some ladies and some gents that are willing to get their hands dirty. Can I get an amen? Am I alone on this? I feel like I'm alone on this. I'm not alone? Okay. In your bulletin today, you will see a list of ministry opportunities. I would encourage you to look over those. And if this church has been a blessing to you, and your gifts, your talents, your abilities might be able to bless one of these ministry areas, why don't you reach out to that contact person and say, I'm willing to invest myself in this ministry because the church has helped build me up, and I want to help build the church up. The Bible teaches that God has given each of us a specific skill set. And he wants you to use those gifts that he's given you to build the church up. Do you know that God loves the church? Loves it. All throughout the New Testament, uh, God describes the church as his bride. Loves it. Loves it so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for the church. If God loves the church that much, if he's willing to invest that much in the church, don't you think we as Christians should love the church that much? Do you know that the church is the hope of the world? Now, I know the church is flawed. If you've not been coming here long enough, let me fill you in on something. Somebody in these pews is going to disappoint you. They will. And if, if somebody in the pews doesn't disappoint you, the guy behind the pulpit will disappoint you because we're flawed. So the church is flawed in that way because we've got flawed people that go to the church. If you're looking for the perfect church, as soon as you get there, it won't be perfect anymore. Okay? So understand that it's a flawed organization, but still yet, when Jesus went to heaven, he left the job of redeeming the world, of being the hope of the world. He left that job to me and you to the church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says it this way. He says, I will build my church. I'm going I'm to bring together people from all sorts of diverse backgrounds, and I'm going to give them this, this common connection of being united in the saving grace of the work that I've done. I'm going to bring them together, and they're going to love each other. They're going to call each other brothers and sisters, and they're going to be committed to a mission. I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus said, listen, I don't care what Satan throws at me. I don't care what the dark forces, the evil in the world. I don't care what's going on. The church will overcome it. Did you know that God has a purpose for you being here? It's not by accident that somebody told you, hey, there's a really good church way out in Glendale. You know, you heard of the whistle stop? 
just down the road from the whistle stop, there's this really great church. And it's not by accident that you wandered in here one Sunday morning and you sat in the pew. And you, as soon as you sat there, it's like the pew just like, it just, just, just molded to your bottom. And you felt like, man, I'm at home here. It's not by accident that, that you, you have made friends here and you feel this connection here. It's not by accident that you're here. God has a purpose for you at this church. So here's my encouragement to you today. Understand and believe it with all your heart that God has a ministry for you at Glendale Christian Church. And he wants you to use your abilities, your talents, your gifts to build up the church that has blessed you so much. We all have a ministry in the church. And we all have, here's the other place you can make a huge difference, we all have a mission in the world. We all have a mission in the world. Now, all of us as Christians, we have a common mission. You might not know this, but it's all throughout the New Testament. I'll give you just three passages right here. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here is the mission as clearly as I can state it. Tell your world about Jesus. Tell your world about Jesus. This is the mission of every Christian. Now let me make this as clear as I can make it. This isn't the job of the preacher. This is the duty of every Christian. Let me say that again because we get this all twisted. This isn't the job of the preacher to go into the world and evangelize and make disciples. This is the job of Jeff, I'm a Christian. This is the duty of you because you're a Christian. Our responsibility as Christians is to go and tell our world about Jesus, evangelism, telling other people about Jesus, it's our duty. Do any of the verses I read, do they seem like a suggestion to you? Is it, is it stated as a question? Did, did you hear Jesus say it this way? It'd be nice, Christians, if you would go and, and tell the world about me. It'd be really nice. It'd be nice of you if you do that. I'd like it if you would go and, and make disciples. Did Jesus say that? Did he say, you know, could you please, if you wouldn't mind, if it isn't too much trouble, if it isn't that big of an inconvenience, would you go and be my witnesses? Is that how he phrased it? No, every one of these, they're a command from our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He isn't asking us to do him a favor. He is commanding us with a mission. Go into all the world. Go and make disciples. You will be, not you could be, not you should be. No, you will be my Witnesses. So here's a tough question. <clears throat> Who have you led to Jesus? Some of you have been Christians for longer than I've been alive. Let me ask you. Just think about it. Who did you pray for and go to, invest in, talk to, encourage, invite, re-invite, re-encourage, make sure they get here no matter what it costs you. 
Who did you invest in? Who did you help lead down the aisle and come and stand by as the preacher prayed a prayer with this person for them to receive Jesus, profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then you sat on the front row as they sat in that baptistry and went under the water, and then they came up out of the water, and there was a huge smile on your face, and you're just thinking, you know I'm so proud that I was a part of their life change. Who? Have you led to Jesus? When you get to heaven, is there going to be anybody that comes up to you and says, I'm so glad that you went out of your way to tell me about Jesus? Now, if I had to guess, for most of you in this room, I'd say you haven't led anybody to Jesus. I'd say you've been probably pretty quiet about your faith. It's been one of those things that it's just, you've believed all your life, well, faith is... It's personal. I don't make it public. I don't go and talk about it to everybody. Was Jesus giving us that option? I don't think so. And see, that's why it always goes back to, well, it's it's the preacher's job to do that. That's what he gets paid for. But you know, I've been hearing that for a long time. And so I started reading the Bible just looking for the verse that says, Okay, preachers, all the preachers, come here. I got Jesus telling all the preachers, attention preachers, your job, not any of the other Christians, just the preachers, just the ones that go to Bible school. It's your job to go and make disciples. It's your job to go and evangelize, just the preachers. I've been looking for that verse, and I read through the New Testament multiple times, trying to find it, and I can't find it anywhere, not in the whole Bible. If you know where the verse is, you come and tell me. But the Bible I keep reading, it's... It tells all Christians, no matter where you are in your life or where you are in your your faith journey, all Christians are supposed to tell what Jesus has done for them. Those verses I read earlier, do you know who Jesus was talking to? What he did, he was about to go to heaven. And this is the last thing that he was going to say to all of his disciples. This is his last message. And so he gathered all of them together. He said, hey, everybody, come here. He didn't just single out, hey, you that are going to preach, just the preachers, you guys come here, you guys don't have to listen to this part, just you. No, all of them. He brought them all in together, and he says, I want you, all of you, all of you that claim to me are my followers, I want all of you to go and make disciples. I want you to be my witnesses, all of you. You know who Jesus was talking to? He was talking to fishermen. He was talking to tax collectors. He was talking to former prostitutes you mean a former prostitute can be an evangelist well yeah Jesus commanded her to he was talking to stay-at-home moms and you know this this diverse group of people you know what they did they changed the world they changed the world it's not a suggestion he's commanding us to do it now here's here's the other cop-out because I already know I've been set I've been where you are in your life listen to a preacher preach a message like this sitting in the pew and just thinking yeah but so here's here's this is where your mind's going i don't know how to do that i don't know how to do that jeff so let me let me show you okay first of all i want you to understand something uh, revelation chapter 7 verse 9 it says this after this john he gets a vision of heaven he looks at heaven and And this is what he sees. He's describing what he sees in heaven. Therefore, or there before me, 
was a great multitude that no one could count. There's going to be so many people in heaven. It's going to be crazy. And it's like a huge concert. And this is what John says. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language represented. They're all standing before the throne. They're all standing before the Lamb. They're worshiping Jesus. Did you know today that you belong to a tribe? You do. It's your sports team. It's your coworkers. It's your neighborhood. It's your family. It's your friends. It's your classmates. You belong to a tribe. You've got a, a certain people. They're your people. You're, su- you're cut from the same cloth. You like the same things. You, you look at the world in a similar way. And you guys speak the same language. You have the same inside jokes. Use the same jargon. And so this is the only way that this picture is going to be possible is if you go to your tribe, you go to your people who speak your language, and you tell them what Jesus has done for you. So, I'm not going to let you off the hook because this is so easy. So easy to share your faith. So easy a caveman can do it. How many of y'all remember that commercial? Anybody? Some of you are like, what's a commercial? Back in the day, back in my day, we had to watch TV. It was live, and then in the show, there's a break, and they sold stuff, and you had to set through it. You couldn't fast forward. You'll have to look it up. So easy a caveman can do it. In Mark chapter 5, um, there is this, we're introduced to this guy. He's demon-possessed, and the, he terrorizes this town. And the people in the town, they, they chain the guy because he's like, just destroying property. He's just running amok everywhere. So they chain him, but every time they chain him, he'd break out of the chains. So eventually, they just ran him out of town, and he ended up living in the tombs. Well, at the time, they buried people in caves. So he was a demon-possessed caveman. Okay, you see where I'm going with this? Okay, so Jesus comes to town, and and the caveman makes his way, crazy demon-possessed caveman, makes his way to Jesus, and he wants some help. Okay, Jesus asks him, what's your name? And the demon answers for the man. The man doesn't even get to answer. The demon's got control of this guy. He's crazy. And, and the demon says, my name is Legion because there are many of us. That's what he says. Now, I want to pause here for a second. Aren't you glad? Is there anybody glad that Jesus doesn't make us fight our own demons? Anybody? That he doesn't. He doesn't see the demon-possessed, crazy man, tattered clothes, chains, broken in path. He doesn't see that guy and say, no, 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 not here, son. Move on. Go back to the cave. Doesn't shoo him off. Instead, Jesus receives a person like that. Aren't anybody glad? I know I am. I know I'm glad. He doesn't make me fight my demons on my own. He doesn't say, hey, you go and fix yourself, and then you come to me. Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, right there in that moment, he restores the man completely restored and the man jesus is about to leave town and the man says to jesus he says i want to go with you i want to go with you jesus wherever you go i want to go now some of you maybe you've thought this before why why didn't jesus just go on and take me home why didn't he just go and take me to heaven and this is the answer mark chapter 5 verse 19 jesus did not let him no i'm not going to take you with me why Go home to your own people because we all belong to a tribe. We all have a people and they, we all, they speak the same language as us. So I need you to go home to your own people and tell them 
how much the Lord has done for you. How he has had mercy on you. Now listen, this is what I know. I know each and every one of you have this story. Don't you? You got a story where everybody else, they they said, oh, they're no good. There's no hope for them. They can't do anything. And then Jesus came to town. And he changed everything for you. And this is what Jesus is saying. Saying, I haven't taken you home because... You've got a mission. I need you to go back to your home and tell your people what God has done for you. Verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which means ten cities. The man, his fame or infamy, however you want to put it, it spread to ten cities. And he told them how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let me tell you something today. There are some people in your life and they're just waiting for somebody like you to come back to them and say, hey, there's this guy that you need to meet. And I think if you just spend some time with this guy it make a huge difference in your life. There's somebody that would be amazed to hear your story. You just got to have the courage to speak it. It's easy, isn't it? You don't have to know Bible verses. You don't have to know systematic theology to share Jesus. You've got a story. All you got to do is share it. And and this is where you say, but my story is not powerful. I I wasn't chained. I wasn't a crazy person, demon-possessed. I don't have this amazing testimony. But how do you know? Have you ever shared it? How do you know? Have you ever spoke that story to anyone? It might be exactly what they need to hear. This is what I know. In Revelation, it talks about how Satan will finally be destroyed. And and this is how they destroyed Satan in the end, okay? They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. That's the work of Jesus. And by what? Let's say it together because I need you all to vocalize when you leave here. If you don't vocalize in here, you're definitely not going to vocalize out there. They, they overcame him by what? We're getting better, but if we don't say it in here, we're definitely not going to say it out there. They overcame him by? It's your testimony. It's what Jesus uses to destroy Satan. I know there's a whole lot of Satan out there. And you keep saying, well... How's the world ever going to be right again? You know, everything's always a mess. Well, maybe the world's just waiting on your testimony. I'm going to end with this. Two pictures here, real quick. Uh, On the left, that's Billy Graham. If you don't know who Billy Graham is, you should know. He's a pretty awesome guy. Uh, Probably the greatest evangelist that's ever lived. It's estimated that he preached in person to 2.2 billion, B, billion people which is absurd. That's crazy. Uh, 3.2 million people signed a card that stated that they had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, professed him as Lord and Savior at a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, He has preached and probably helped to convert more people than anyone else in all of Christianity ever. 
So that's Billy Graham. On the other hand, that is my sister. Her name is Maria. And Maria wants, just to put her resume up to Billy Graham, she once put my underwear in the freezer as a prank. All of my underwear. Some of you just got a great idea. Sorry, parents. And her spiritual gift is annoying her big brother. If she has a spiritual gift, it's that. Now, who do you think of these two people have had a greater spiritual influence on my life? And you might say Billy Graham, but you'd be wrong. It's definitely, by far, a million times over, it's my sister. And this is all she did. And I think all of you can do this. She went to church, started going to church, and then she came home, and she bugged me to death, and bugged me, 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 until I'd go to church with her. And it changed everything. That's it. She can't sing a lick. She can't sing any better. I mean, she can't sing better than me, and I'm terrible. She can't preach. She can't teach. I don't know what her spiritual gift is, but she changed my world. The Lord used her to make a big difference in my life. Now, some of you, you look at that screen, and you say, I'll never be Billy Graham. And you're right. But the Lord doesn't need another Billy Graham. You know what the Lord needs? He needs more Marias. He needs some people that will go back home and say, listen, Jesus has made a difference for me, and he can make a difference for you. And it's as simple as that. Won't you make a difference? I think you can. I think you can change the world one person at a time. You've got a ministry in this church, and you've got a mission in this world. Share your gifts with the church, and share Jesus with the world. Pray with me. Father, we love you. So grateful for you and how you went out of your way to show us how much you love us. Thank you, Lord, for putting some Marias in our life so that we could be introduced to you. And at times it was annoying, and at times we wished they'd just leave us alone, but I'm so glad that they didn't. Lord, empower us to be that person for somebody. Help us to find our ministry in the church and help us to be so passionate about our mission in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out today. I pray you're blessed and encouraged. As you leave from here, go loving and following Jesus to the best of your ability. And when you do that, he will bless you. Thanks for being here. Love you guys.